This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 237 Roof Studios in Upper Lafayette, this is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live on 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. Take a walk on the wild side and get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world-famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 1037 The Game. And welcome, everyone, to the must-listen-to Saturday morning sports talk show in all of Acadiana, and dare I say the entire damn state of Louisiana that is under the dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. We are live and always here from the 237 Roof Studios presented by Lafayette Roofing. From the roof to the roots of Acadiana, they have absolutely, positively got you covered. And you know what? We're feeling good on the Saturday morning. Definitely a little chilly out there, but definitely well worth it. It's hashtag football weather, baby. Baby, we're looking good. Woo! I am just outright looking forward to what's going down tonight. The Cajuns-Texas State game going to be a fun one. I'll be out there. Hopefully, you'll be out there, too, in that number. Heck, you might be out there right now getting some tailgating in. Make sure you crank it up. That way, everybody can hear what's causing all this on a Louisiana Saturday morning. And, hey, if you want to join in on the conversation, the Art Co. Equipment Hotline, it is open right here, right now, 337-706-0111. That's how you get in on the action. And we got a lot of things we could talk about. The LSU Tigers and the Saints, they're on a bye week. Big whoop. There's a lot of things we can talk about. We can look back and look ahead because, obviously, LSU-Bama, it's next week, seven days away. We can really start hyping that bad boy up. It will do so throughout this show. Of course, Cajuns, Texas State, that's going down the Saints bye week mid-season thoughts what's going to be going down this time next week with the LSU Bama game what's going on with the New Orleans Saints and they're going to be taking on the Atlanta Falcons the second half of the season it Drew Brees looked fantastic last weekend and how convenient this is something I've always kind of thought about when it comes to the show and how things are mapped out I usually try and keep things very much rigid Last week was one of those weeks where I just wished I could have been on the air for at least another like half hour. Just give me until 1 o'clock, and then I, then the news pops up just as we go off air. Drew Brees was announced as returning. He was going to be back. That threw a whole wrench into plans for me, at least. I was definitely thinking this was going to be a pretty relaxing weekend. Typical, you know, eh, fair with the Arizona Cardinals matchup and the Saints would have wound up winning. But then Drew Brees... Is announced as the starter, which kind of threw everything for a loop. But we can talk about thoughts on Drew Brees. Early thoughts on the Pels. The Pels got their first win the other night. They're looking to make it two in a row. That's not quite a winning streak, but it's a step in the right direction for a franchise that really kind of had underwhelmed the first four games of the season. It's a small, small sample size, but it's still not exactly the best look in the world if you're the New Orleans if you're the New Orleans Pelicans with all the hype heading into the season. But, of course, we got other things to talk about as well because we are nearing now, as the Avengers put it, we're in the end game now, 
And what am I talking about? I'm talking about prep football week nine officially in the books. And trust me, we've got a lot of things to get to when it comes to Acadian area teams. I'm not going to waste any more time because I've already wasted about like three, four minutes getting a little preamble and a ramble going. So why not give an idea of what happened last night in the Acadian area? We start things off as we always do in District 3-5A. The Como Spartans were absolutely dominant on the offensive side of the football. 60-28 to win over the south side. Sharks, the Acadian High Wrecking Rams were running up and down the field. 70-21, to taking down the Buccaneers convincing fashion. Those Acadian High Wrecking Rams, they're blazing a trail for the postseason and a really high seed of that. I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of secure a top five seed in the postseason in a couple weeks' time when they announce all that. Sam Houston beats Lafayette I 39-29. The Miami Lions looking more and more likely they'll be sitting at home come the postseason. And then you have New Iberia beating Sulphur 40-7. to Eunice beating North for 1,057-19 in 4-4A action. LaGrange beating West... Washington Marion, 14 to nothing. Let me kind of confirm that one because this is all kind of stuff that I mentioned last night. I didn't quite get as much time to update it as I thought I would have. But LaGrange, yeah, Washington Marion, LaGrange, LaGrange, the Gators get it done 28 to 6 over Washington Marion. Lafayette Christian Academy, 42 to nothing win over Rain. St. Thomas Moore beats Karen Grove 36 to 20. Westgate beats Northside. Try and pull that up. Final score as well. This is the beauty of live radio. Sometimes we're trying to get these scores, making sure they're absolutely correct. Yeah, Westgate beats Northside fifty-four to twenty-four. Turlings Catholic beats Saint Martinville twenty to sixteen. Albany beats Beauchene twenty-one to seven. Bro Bridge beats Opelousas thirty-three-seven. Livonia taking down Cecilia thirteen to seven. And we flip it on over to District Five Three A. Church Point beats Mamu 41-15. Northwest beats Iota 18-7. And then you have Pine Prairie and Ville Platte. And the Ville Platte team, the Bulldogs, get it done over the Panthers 53-12. And then Kaplan, this is the Vermilion Parish game of the week. Kaplan, convincing win over Abbeville by the score of 41-8. Crowley and Erath. Squaring off, and the Bobcats get it done over the Gents, 40-36. to Turlings Catholic beats St. Martinville, 20-16. to LCA, the night train rolls on, beating the Rain Wolves, 42-zip. Welsh and Port Berry squaring off last night as well. And Welsh making things a little bit interesting in this one. 42-18 over the Red Devils. Then we have finally 7-2A action. Ascension Episcopal beats Lorville 34-14. Catholic High, New Iberia 77-12 over Generette. Then you have Delcom beating West St. Mary 34-24. Franklin and Homa Christian squaring off last night as well. And my goodness, ironically I can't find a score for that game. Haven't seen any, any official final on that one with Hopefully, I might bring that up in the next segment. And then in District 8-1A, Centerville beats Hanson Memorial 50 to nothing. 
And then you have Central Catholic at Highland Baptist. I'm trying to get you that one right now. The beauty of live radio. 42-6, Central Catholic gets the win over Highland Baptist. And Vermillion Catholic beats Covenant Christian 45 to nothing. And that was your high school scoreboard for week number nine. And what a way to kind of have week number nine end up. It's interesting when you just look at everything. And I mentioned this on the postgame show last night. Is that it kind of filled a lot of time because we weren't able to get things underway. It was definitely a hard kind of show to kind of plan out because things we started a little bit earlier. We weren't able to get some guys on the air right when we wanted to. But we were able to handle it. But one of the big things that I talked about last night was more which teams have the best chance of making the run all the way to the Dome or if the case of some of the Acadiana area teams from the select side make it to wherever it's going to be. Cajun Field, It's that's still the possibility. It's in the offing. I'm not saying it's an impossibility at this point in time. It's definitely got a strong case of it actually happening. That being said, I think there's a few teams out there in the Acadian area that can do so. One of those, and this is the biggest one, Acadian Eye. The Reckon Rams have been on a tear all season long, have won by convincing margins all season long. I think the only game that was really close was the Como game a couple weeks ago, 35-21. They put up, like, or excuse me, that was a couple weeks ago, but you had that game. You had that dominant performance a couple weeks ago. Against Como, you had the eighty-something point win last week, a, a seventy-point game, a seventy-point win over a bar program that has always been kind of a force in three-five A, and that has always made things interesting. Acadiana High has firm control of District three-five A, but I think they have every chance. I think if there's any year they can do it, and Matt McCullough's crew knows it, they are more likely than not headed to the big dance in the Superdome because of the fact that this team is just on another level at this point in time. And there's a couple other programs as well that I feel like I have every chance to do so, and it is your usual suspects, especially on the select side. I think Lafayette Christian Academy, the Knights, have looked really, really good. I think they can wind up rolling over into, I believe, Division Three now, and win that state title. I think they have a chance to do so because the fact that they're just so darn good at a lot of different things. They're so darn good, and I feel like they've just they've had moments where they've stumbled. I mean, the week week one they they won seven nothing over Westgate. And this is a Lafayette Christian Academy program that is known for their high powered offense, and they haven't made, they haven't won by like huge margins like we've seen in the past. But they've still been able to get things done and be able to get what's more important. And that is W's on the board, a blemish obviously against the the Acadian High record Rams. But honestly, I feel like you put the, you put Acadian High up against anybody right now, they're going to whip their tail in. And I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to happen from that perspective. And then of course, there's St. Thomas More. They have every chance to do so. I think they're getting back into that form that you want to be in. Heading into the postseason, you're not limping into the postseason. You are setting yourself up for a lot of success, especially because of the fact that more likely than not, next week you're going to be taking on North Vermilion. You can't overlook them, but I think they have every single chance to secure the bag and wrap things up in the regular season as your district 5-4-8 champs 
And more importantly, you move forward and you set yourself up for a lot of success in that postseason, in a Division II state playoffs. You'll have the bye week, and then you'll roll into the postseason. you have a couple a couple tough opponents, but I think they have every chance to do so because I've seen that team. They are probably extremely motivated to bounce back and make it back to the state championship game, wherever that's going to be at, of course. It could be, it could even be at St. Thomas More if things go the way that the Louisiana Raging Cajuns want it to go whenever you look at the way the East Division could be shaping out. Could that change? Obviously, it could wind up changing. It'd be a big difference. It'll be something to kind of keep tabs on for the not-too-distant future, especially for these select schools that are Acadian area adjacent, like your Notre Dame of Acadia Parish, Pios. I think they have a chance to make the postseason, make a run of the postseason, make it to the finals. That is, of course, if they don't run into LCA again. But I think that rematch, I probably would wind up favoring the the Pios just by a little bit here because I think they have a chance. They've just shown themselves to be so darn good. They've only lost one game in like the last like fifty plus games. That's just something unprecedented. I don't even think. I can't even think of a team that would wind up coming close to that in the state of Louisiana. Just nothing short of impressive. What Louis Cook's done. And those are kind of the teams that I'm looking at that are definitely, for me, it's almost a lock to be in the postseason and make it to the state title game. There's one team in particular that's has a chance to do so, but I feel like one thing that's hurt them a lot was injuries, namely Popcorn Prejean. And, of course, I'm talking about the Caracol Golden Bears. I think they had every chance to wind up locking down a high seed. And with Popcorn Parajan, it would have been I feel like Popcorn Parajan would have made that game last night against Caracro a lot more competitive, and maybe you have a chance at a huge upset in terms of how the weight, power ratings work. You wind up having Caracro Golden Bears like a top-five seed in the postseason with the win last night. But, you know, it is, it is what it is. But I still think heading into Week 10, they have a chance to really start setting themselves up for a lot of success and more importantly, they could wind up having a little bit of a run. I think the, I think quarterfinals is the bar for me. I think that's going to be where they land, and they could wind up getting ousted like they've done in the past. And w- but with popcorn, I think they'd have a lot more possibilities because they've shown themselves to be an absolute force after that week one loss to Acadia and a high. They've started to kind of get into a rhythm. That being said, we're going to go ahead and take a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about the world of college football. We'll start diving into that because, of course, we got the Cajuns-Texas State game going on 4 o'clock. At 10.30, we'll have Steve Lassen on of Athlon Sports. 11.15, we're getting the man on. Brooks Cabina of the Advocate talking a little LSU football. At 11.30, we're having on our guy, as always, Ross Jackson, All Saints Considered, Locked on Saints podcast. And we're going to talk to you about what's going on with the Saints, the bye week, any surprises, We'll talk about that and a whole lot more. You're listening to Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. The numbers don't lie, because when you listen to Under the Dome with CD, your knowledge of sports increases by 141 and two-thirds percent. Now, let's get back to the genetic freak of sports talk. He's fat! On Acadiana Sports Station. 1037 The Game.
Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Nothing but pure, unscripted sports talk. Unsanctionable sports talk, I'd say, right here on Acadiana Sports Station. We bring the heat every single Saturday morning. Hopefully you're enjoying it just as much as I am. Bringing it to you, of course. I mentioned it earlier. Might as well bring it up again. Steve Lassen coming up in about another, let's say, five minutes. We'll have him on after the bottom of the hour update we got right here. But, of course, we got enough time to talk a little bit about the Cajuns-Texas State matchup, 4 o'clock. It's homecoming tonight, or this afternoon for the Cajuns, I should say. One of the big things everybody is looking forward to is what's going down between the, the Raging Cajuns and the Bobcats who definitely haven't had the best of luck the last few years. I like what I've seen from Spavital in his first year. He's helped this program get a little bit better, 2-5 and five on the year. It still feels like, you know, you look at the spread, it's clearly in favor of the Cajuns. I like what I've seen from the Cajuns in the past. I think they have every chance to get the win over Texas State, especially with the fact they have 16 days off. Billy Napier talked about it. We heard it in the two-minute drill. It's more of a 3-3-5 offense. We know back in the day, actually that's not too long ago, back whenever you had Coach Hutspeth and I can't remember the dude's name, but one of the former defensive coordinators, you sort of more of a 4-2-5 type defense. And that has always been a mixed bag when you look at that 4-2-5 defense for the Cajuns. 3-3-5 is a lot more unique. I think that winds up giving the Cajuns more time to prepare for that than anything, because then you've got in a couple weeks' time, you're starting to build up towards that home stretch. You're five and two on the year the Cajuns are, and they're one win away now from clinching a berth in a bowl game, wherever that might be. And we we talk about a lot the final four games of the season. They could wind up running the table. They have every chance to do so. It, those final two games are going to be a real coin flip. Coastal Carolina, that could be a surprise because, again, Coastal Carolina made the Cajuns look like look like they were inefficient, if you will, in their game last year at Cajun Field because that was an underwhelming performance if there ever was one. I saw a lot of things I did not enjoy. That triple option wound up causing a lot of havoc. But just look at, strictly at Texas State tonight. Cajuns' overwhelming favorites, as they should be, because of the fact that this is continuing to be a series where the Cajuns have dominated Texas State. Last year was slightly different. It was a much more tightly contested matchup. I'm just going to say that. I feel like the defense gave the Cajuns a lot of hell. Last year, now that they have a new head coach. And I think, again, Texas State actually got a win in Sunbelt play, which I feel like they get like one, maybe two a year. They're always going to be a team that's towards the bottom of the rankings. And, toward, and I feel like they could wind up turning things around with Spavitol because he's shown himself to be a better coach. I just feel like there's more of a, there's going to be a longer rebuilding process as opposed to what we saw with the Cajuns when Hutsmith was bounced out and then Billy Napier took over and they made it back to a bowl game, losing to Tulane. But of course, they got back to a bowl game. At the end of the day, that's all that matters. If you're the Cajuns, you need to get back into a bowl game if you want to get things done and be able to move forward. Texas State tonight is going to be interesting. And one of the big things I want to see tonight is what Levi Lewis does. 
I want to see Levi Lewis be the guy that I expect I've expected him to be all year. I want to see him have a big performance through the air and on the ground. I want to see him be able to be be used as a dual threat. I think that's one of the big things that I've haven't necessarily liked a lot from Billy Napier is how it hasn't always, hasn't been a true you know dual threat. It's, he's been keeping him in that little box. Sometimes you got to go outside the box. And trust me, I'm a guy that needs to get outside the box just a little bit more from a personal perspective. That being said, I like what I've seen from the Cajuns to this point. I think the run game is is going to be key for them, but I wouldn't mind seeing a sign that maybe, just maybe, we can have a guy like Levi Lewis where when players scout, when teams scout him and in the future they scout what the Cajuns do, they have to be aware that they don't mind having their quarterback be a dual threat. They have to keep him keeping the defense honest is always going to be key to getting a lot of these big wins. And the next couple weeks, they'll be on the road. Coastal Carolina and South Alabama, I'd love to see the Cajuns get a big win and then they can wind up pressing some of their guys up in the second half. Maybe we see a little bit more of Magale because I think that's one of the things that I want to see as well is what happens if Magale is out there. Is to me at least, and I like Chandler Fields. The guy seems like he's going to be a blue chip quarterback, but he's still got some growing to do, not just mentally but physically as well. I think he's got some room to grow because that's a big reason why we haven't seen him a whole lot. I think once we see the Louisiana Raging Cajuns get things done and secure everything in place, they can wind up doing some big things. But I mentioned it earlier. This is a chance to really secure the bag when it comes to the Sunbelt West title, because that's the biggest thing right now. Win the Sunbelt West and try and run the table the rest of the way. I feel like you, Monroe, and Troy, those final two games, are going to be the big bugaboo. Yes, Troy isn't the same Troy that we've seen in years past. I mean, first-year head coach Chip Lindsay hasn't necessarily quite as lived up to the hype as some expected, but I think they have every chance to give the Cages a lot of hell, especially since it will be a high-scoring affair. And then UL Monroe will always be a big bugaboo. That's a rivalry game. That's now the cigar game, as Billy Napier has put it. We saw it last year. I think they need to wind up locking things down. They could wind up potentially hosting a Sunbelt title game, but that's putting the cart before the horse. We'll take a quick timeout. We'll be back with more. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD right here on 1037 The Game. And we got Steve Lassen coming aboard in just a few. Every time CD takes the mic, is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Now, let's get back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com live from the 237 Roof Studios. And guess what? We're going to flip things over, talk a little college football because, trust me, a lot of things worth talking about as we get closer to the first college football playoff rankings coming out. We've obviously got a lot of other things that we can bring up as well. I think without a doubt, one thing we can bring up is the LSU Tigers top-ranked? What's going on with a lot of these other conferences? Because now that you saw Oklahoma last week take an L, 
what happens there. What, where do we move from here in terms of which conferences wind up getting a per, excuse me getting a team in, and what happens next? That's going to be a big thing. We'll talk about with our guest Steve Lassen aboard the Arco Equipment Hotline right now. Steve Lassen, part of Athlon Sports. What's going on, man? Hey, Clint. It's great to talk to you. It is November. That means we have reached the home stretch. The playoff rankings come out. So uh, here we are. It's an exciting time of the year and looking forward to what should be a pretty exciting final month of the season. It should be an exciting final month of the season. I mean, you put your head on a swivel and see a lot of these teams have dropped out as seemingly of playoff contention this point in time. Especially when you look last week, you saw the Oklahoma Sooners lose in a very hotly contested ball game last week. You saw the schooner go down two weeks ago. You saw what happened with App State on Thursday night. You saw Georgia a couple weeks ago against South Carolina. There's been a lot of chaos the last few weeks, but just looking at the one-loss teams like a Georgia, they'll be playing Florida later today. We'll get to that matchup. But Georgia, Oklahoma, and a lot of those other one-loss teams that seem like they've been contenders in the past, do any of those one-loss teams punch their ticket? You know, I, I think right now all of these teams are still alive for the college football playoff. And it, I guess this is the good part of the system is that you do have a mulligan at some point during the year. If you're Oklahoma, if you went out and beat Baylor, Iowa State, and either those one of those teams or Texas in the Big 12 championship, um, you're going to probably be in that top four or five. I think the question that we have to start thinking about is, when you look at the schedules, you kind of have to assume that either Alabama or LSU is going to be undefeated. That's one spot. I think Ohio State and Clemson probably going to go undefeated. That's two spots. So that's three teams already right there. So then I think the question becomes, is it a one-loss Alabama or LSU team, or is it going to be a one-loss Oklahoma, a one-loss Oregon, one-loss Utah, or could a team like Georgia or Florida knock off Alabama or LSU in the SEC championship game? So I think we have a lot to sort out, but I think the results over the last couple of weekends have actually helped the SEC in the potential to get two teams in. So I think if you're Alabama or LSU, regardless of what happens next week, still in really good shape uh, to make the college football playoff. It's going to be interesting, and we'll wind up talking about the LSU-Alabama game next week because obviously we've got the bye week. we got plenty of time to save that for later. But I want to kind of just go down the line and just look at a lot of what's been happening over the last few weeks. Obviously, there's some teams you put their head on a swivel, but we'll start things off with some of the other marquee matchups later on today. And of course, number 14, Michigan, taking on Maryland. Michigan wound up looking pretty good last week. Can they keep this momentum going and start building themselves back up to be a little bit more reputable to where they could wind up potentially getting into a New Year's Six Bowl? Yeah, I think they can. I think since the second half of the Penn State game, they have been a different team, and they were really impressive in the win over Notre Dame last week. I mean, Michigan thoroughly dominated that game at the line of scrimmage on offense. And on defense, I mean, they completely shut down Notre Dame's uh, offense. So I think Michigan keeps it rolling. There is a little bit of bad blood between Mike Loxley, the head coach of Maryland, and Josh Gaddis, the offensive coordinator of Michigan. Some words were traded during the offseason. I still think Maryland just too undermanned here. You know, for Michigan, yeah, I think there is a little bit of a question. They've had two emotional games. 
just don't think Maryland has enough here to get the win. So I like Michigan to keep winning, and I think they will be, you know, they will win out essentially until they play Ohio State, which uh, the stakes will be very high when those two teams meet in November. I'd have to agree with you. Talking right now with Steve Lassen of Athlon Sports, and of course another big matchup that everybody's looking forward to is what's going down at two thirty. It's become the marquee matchup for the SEC, and I think all eyes are going to be on this one come two thirty. Georgia and Florida, number eight versus number six, the world's largest cocktail party, despite the fact they don't want you to call that anymore, but it still is the world's largest cocktail party. Which way do you see this one going? Because to me it feels like Florida is the is the team that I'm kind of pulling for in this one. Yeah, you know, no matter what you call this game, it is essentially the de facto SEC East championship game. I mean, at this point, it is also an elimination game for the college football playoff, we talked about one lost team, Georgia or Florida, whoever wins this game, keeps their playoff hopes alive. I think the question that kind of surrounds this game is Florida should be healthier on defense, especially up front. And I think is Georgia made enough strides on offense over the bye week to get anything going against a pretty good Florida defense? I mean, this Florida defense, has a lot of similarities to what South Carolina was able to do. Essentially that if you can get after Georgia with your front four and you can cover on the back end, um, Georgia's offense really has trouble right now executing in those situations. So I'll be interested to see what Georgia does offensively. I think for Florida, they've got to generate a few big plays on offense. You know, we saw this against LSU They had some consistency, they had some nice drives, but the big plays weren't there, and eventually it caught up to them. So I like Georgia to win this game. I just think they might be a little bit more of a complete team right now. I like the way that they can maybe potentially get the running game going if they use some tempo on offense. It's a really tough matchup to pick apart, but I think Georgia just might be a little bit better right now, and I think they get it done today in the the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Exactly, the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. And, you know, another matchup at 2.30 I think at least a lot of us will be interested in is what's going on. Kansas State and Kansas, before we get your thoughts on the matchup as a whole, how great is it to see the both teams, Kansas State and Kansas, start getting into more relevancy, making a lot of headlines, making a lot of headway. Obviously, Les Miles will continue to make headlines regardless but it's just amazing to see Kansas State and Kansas actually start become more and more of a football school as opposed to what we all know them and know and love them as, and that is a basketball program. Absolutely, yeah. This is a fun rivalry, and the fact that now both of these teams have some positive momentum after last week. I mean, this is you know these teams have played before with winning records. But this is the first time in a couple of years where you get the sense that this is actually going to be a good game and, and kind of an entertaining game to pay attention to. Uh, to, to take a step back from, from last week, I don't, I don't know how many people saw it, but the end of the Kansas-Texas Tech game was insane. I mean, it's an ending that only happens to less miles when your game-winning field goal <laughs> kick is blocked. Texas Tech picks it up, fumbles it, and Kansas gets another chance and then wins the game. So... Fun weekend for for Kansas last week, and I think both of these teams have really nailed their coaching hires. And and going forward, it it really makes the Big 12 even deeper. I mean, you look at Neil Brown at West Virginia. He's going to be a great hire in the long term. 
Matt Rule at Baylor, this conference is really deep in terms of uh, head coaches and, and overall teams going forward. Talk right now with Steve Lassen of Athlon Sports, getting into the world of college football. But, you know, we brought it up. Might as well get your thoughts on who could wind up winning this matchup. Is this going to be Kansas State's night, or will we, they, will, will we be hearing Rock Chalk Jayhawk all night long? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I like Kansas State in this game. I think they keep it going from last week. But certainly, uh, you know, Kansas has made significant strides under less miles in a short amount of time, but still think, uh, the Wildcats here, even though off the emotional big-time win last week, I think they get it done today. And, Steve, of course, we got to kind of get things going on with some of those more primetime matchups. And, you know, the only one that I think I'm going to be looking forward to seeing is the Power 5 matchup between SMU and Memphis. How great is it we're seeing SMU currently ranked 8-0, ranked 15th in the country and they're starting to really start making a lot of headway and making a case towards being a one of those group of five teams to make a New Year's Six. Absolutely, yeah. You know, SMU as a program has made significant progress under Sonny Dykes these last two years, and a big reason was going into the transfer portal and building up both sides of the ball. Shane Bouchelle, the biggest pickup this offseason, you could argue he's having one of the, the top quarterback seasons uh, by a group of five quarterback this year. And it's not only just SMU. I mean, Memphis, over the last, you know, seven, eight years under Justin Fuente and Mike Norvell, this program has also made significant strides, too. And I think if you're just looking for entertainment value tonight, this game should have it. I mean, both teams can put up points in a hurry. SMU can do it through the air. They can do it on the ground. Memphis can do it as well. Kenneth Gainwell from Memphis. He's having a fantastic season at running back. I mean, just 100-yard effort after 100-yard effort. So, you know, keep. I think two things to watch here, a lot of points, and the winner of this game is going to start taking a step forward as far as being that top group of five team for a New Year's Six Bowl spot. So I like Memphis at home. I think they beat SMU and, and knocked the Mustangs from the ranks of the unbeaten. And, Steve, we talked about it earlier, about the fact that we got the college football playoff rankings coming out this Tuesday Give me your, your four right here, right now. I think in terms of resume, I've got LSU at number one. I think they've got the best resume of any team in college football, the wins over Auburn, Florida, and Texas. I've got Ohio State at two um, simply because I think they've been the most dominant team. You know, Certainly you could put LSU in that conversation as well. Ohio State beat, won every game by 24 points. This season, their defense has looked fantastic. Justin Fields, uh, Chase Young, J.K. Dobbins, they have three Heisman Trophy candidates. So I think LSU and Ohio State are one and two based upon resume. I still think Alabama might be the best team in college football, but I've got to put them at number three right now just because their resume isn't as strong as as those other two. And I've got Clemson at four and Penn State at number five right now. So Penn State is just hanging out there to dry. I, I like I like I like your top four a lot, especially with the fact that for once we've had you on several times. It's always been Alabama number one. For once, we get LSU at the top of the list. I love it. Hey, and the best part about it is they play next Saturday, and we're going to get to see these oh, two boy. teams hopefully at full strength. You know, we'll see what happens with Tua. But yeah, you know, this is the best part about college football. 
it's going to play out during the season. And I think for LSU or for Alabama, the resume, the team strength, these two teams are two of the top four. And I, I would not be opposed to see these two teams play twice based upon everything we've seen this season. Steve, thanks so much for coming on, my man. We'll talk to you next week. Hey, Clint. Sounds great. Enjoy the games today. Oh, I definitely will, especially when it comes to some of these marquee matchups in the world of college football. And I love how during that interview at one point I wound up getting a tweet through one of our guys, Joe M., and he knows who he is with the hashtag we are. So, you know what? I'm sure he's listening, so why not drop this one on him? We are. We are. I got to play that for him at least once. Because, hey, why not? Absolutely, And he actually was at that show. He told me about this. He's part of our Under the Dome Fantasy League, which I am not talking about because, well, I'm not doing good. But we'll go ahead and take a quick timeout, come back with a whole lot more. You're listening to Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 1037thegame.com. This is Under the Dome with CD. From the preps, I gave it a uh, a ten, a ten to the pros, and everywhere in between. Let's get back under the dome with the world famous CD on Acadiana Sports Station, one zero three seven. The game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 1037thegame.com, live from the 237 Roof Studios. Hopefully, you're enjoying yourself on this Saturday morning. I'm honestly enjoying myself as well because I got to talk a little bit of college football nationwide on a big Saturday, not quite a big noon Saturday. Make sure I pronounce that just right because obviously sometimes, like we've heard maybe on the Fox broadcast, the big nude Saturday, as some people have talked about it. But man, I'm just, I'm looking forward to what's going on tonight when it comes to the Cajuns, Texas State game. But, you know, I want to wrap up hour number one on a different note than any other one. Is I could talk about what's going on with, obviously, the Saints on a bye week. What's why like surprised about the fact that I that the Saints did not trade. I could talk about that. I could talk about you know Baker Mayfield being a you know what or anything else really. But I am gonna talk one last time for the 2019 season up until probably you know December whenever you got the the thrilling hot stove meetings, and that is about the Houston Astros for just a minute, okay? I'm just going to talk about it for a moment, and then we move on from it. Everybody who's listened to this show knows how much of a fan I've been, I am of the Astros. I've grown up watching them forever, and seeing them lose in the World Series in Game 7 was disheartening, but I think what was even more disheartening was the fact that we saw A.J. Hinch, who always has seemed to be the smartest man in the room, and he doesn't try and strut his stuff like maybe Sean Payton does whenever he does an end-around, and it does not work out at all, and while it's kind of pushing you back. My big thing is the fact 
that you did not put Garrett Cole out there. And you should have put Garrett Cole out there regardless of the situation. You, you, you can say a hundred times over, we were going to save him if we were up. No, this is, as Dan Fouts would say, last game of the year, Brent, can't hold anything back now. You should have start, played Garrett Cole in the seventh if you were going to pull Zach Grinke, who, by the way, was absolutely eating. You should have kept him in there for a little bit longer. I understand he let that home run happen, but sometimes that stuff's going to happen, especially the way that he was de- he was dealing. I would have kept him in until the end of that inning because he looked really, really good outside of that one blemish. I thought he was absolutely fantastic. He was throwing one hit ball at that point. Let him empty the tank, and then you can put in the eight. Your boy, Garrett Cole, and I'm going to say it one more time, baby. Because now he's no longer a Houston Astro, and he's a free agent. I don't think the Astros are going to get him because of the fact you're having to throw all that money at him, and you're already kind of throwing money at Alex Bregman, at JV, and i got to say it. I like what I've seen from the Astros the last couple of years, but being without Garrett Cole, that is going to be something that's going to be very, very hard to bounce back from because Garrett Cole is an absolute monster, and you've unleashed a different monster. Because Garrett Cole had always been kind of the good pitcher, but not great. He'd always had a tendency to give up a lot of home runs. Look back when he was with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Just go back and look at that. They created a new monster introducing spin rate to his game, introducing new aspects of baseball to somebody that has the potential to be great. And they finally were able to channel all that, and it paid off in spades. I got to say, this guy is just going to wind up making a buttload of money with the Dodgers, the Yankees, whoever it's going to be. Whoever wants to win that sweepstakes, that's going to be a lot of fun to see what happens with the Garrett Cole sweepstakes. Colin McHugh also a free agent. There's a lot of free agents that are no longer that are on that have left the Astros roster. But it was just weird to see Garrett Cole do what he did on his way out and say, "Hey, I'm not a member of the organization anymore. I'm representing myself." And I talked with Ben about that, and I related it to the Cajuns because every much like everything is wrestling. Everything I can relate back to Cajuns, at least somewhat. And this happened in 2016. This was after the New Orleans Bowl when they lost to Southern Miss. It was I was actually covered that game. And Eli McGuire comes out. Eli McGuire then doesn't take questions. They said, "Don't ask." He's he came out, did not did not answer questions. No questions. We were told no directions towards him. Then why even bring him out? I get it, you know, you need to have guys out there, but it's like, you know, if he doesn't want to be out there, don't be out there. It just seems, it seemed like the weirdest thing to me, and I felt like it was almost the same way, but at least, you know, Garakol said something. That's my big thing. Say something. But maybe just maybe figure out the way to word it right and maybe get a better PR person. That's just my take on the Garakol. I'm going to say it one more time. Baby situation. And now we're going to take a quick timeout. We'll be back with a lot more. Hour number two of Under the Dome with CD coming up next right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com.
should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 237 Roof Studios in Upper Lafayette, this is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live on 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. It's Take a walk on the wild side and get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world-famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 103.7 The Game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 1037thegame.com. And we are live from the 237 Roof Studios, and we are living the dream right here on 103.7 The Game. The Arco Equipment Hotline, it's open. It's, it's right there waiting for you. Just call us up, 337-706-0111. That's how you get in a on the action right here, you can join the party. Party of one, party of two, party of five, whatever it is. Hopefully, you're ready to talk a little college football, maybe some pro football, Saints, maybe, just maybe, you might want to talk a little soccer. I might be able to spin a couple yarns about that because, boy, my Manchester United suck. They are absolutely, positively awful. one nothing loss earlier today to Bournemouth. Meanwhile, Liverpool losing at half right now. That's a big surprise. 1-0 down right now. Outside of that, nothing really of note. And, of course, I don't think many people are caring about what's going on in uh, the world across the pond with the Premier League or even the MLS now that Atlanta United is no longer there, which is kind of funny. It's, it's also kind of sad, too, because, boy, oh, boy, the, Atlanta, the state of Atlanta or the state of sports in Atlanta, I should say it's the state of Georgia, my goodness, they've had a rough month. They have the Braves doing brave things in the postseason. You have the Atlanta Falcons doing their best to just not be a thing and basically tank the tank their way to a decent draft pick and maybe get rid of Dan Quinn when it's all said and done, which I think they should be doing already. And then they haven't even played the New Orleans Saints yet. That's going to be a lot of fun. Not this weekend, but next weekend. But, of course, why not talk about what's going on this weekend? Not just in football, but across all sports, in all aspects. And they give you an idea of what's on tap right about now. The weekend is finally upon us. Oh, hell yeah! Pull up a bar stool and let's get you informed about what's on tap right now. And there's a lot of things on tap, and we start things off with a look around the world of college football. One game we're waiting to kind of get started. And that's Michigan and Maryland going to be number 14th ranked Michigan. Going to try and keep things going. It's going to be a cold one out there, 44 degrees. But trust me, not nearly as cold as it's going to be in Indiana, about 130. Notre Dame, VT, Virginia Tech. Notre Dame going to try and bounce back from a tough loss last weekend to the Michigan Wolverines. And then we got got a big rivalry that is Florida-Georgia. What's going to be going on? In Jacksonville, Florida, at TIA Bank Field. Boy, oh boy. Just 
pencil that game in. That's going to be a fantastic match at the world's largest co- outdoor cocktail party. The world's largest outdoor cocktail party going down 230, Georgia, Florida, number eight versus number six. This is, as Steve Lassen put it, a SEC East title game. I'd give the edge to Florida right here, right now, because of what I've seen from them throughout the season. They kept it competitive for a little bit against LSU. I wouldn't be surprised that he can get it done against Jake Fromm and company because they have definitely kind of underwhelmed that loss to South Carolina. It's also looming large in the head. In fact, we're talking college football right now. I've got behind me in the 237 Roof Studios a fun ball game that just got started moments ago. Try to make sure if that's the game or not. I know it's about the Purdue Boilermakers and I believe Nebraska-Purdue Definitely something just to kind of look at. And then, of course, you've got a ranked matchup, and I'm just absolutely jazzed up about it, is what's going on with SMU. SMU is going to be a fun one. SMU-Memphis, two teams that definitely have every chance to want to try to set themselves up for a potential New Year's Six Bowl. SMU needs to get the win. They're six-point dogs right now, which is definitely a shock to the system if there ever was one. But this one could set could set up some big things because, of course, SMU wins. They can wind up continuing to move on up in the rankings like the Jeffersons because don't forget Memphis ranked 24th right now. They win that one. They start to set themselves up and start making a really strong case, not for crashing the college football playoff party. No, no, no. What I'm saying is they're going to start making a strong case to set themselves up for a lot of success to make a New Year's Six Bowl. I think they have every chance to do so. You look at the rest of their schedule, I think you'll agree with me on that. That's about all the notable college football games going on. But, of course, there's one other thing going on tonight, and that is in Madison Square Garden, UFC 244. It is finally time to talk some fighting. I know we talked a lot about it last week with them, about the Regis Pro Grade fight. Shout out to Regis for a great performance. Went all 12 rounds, but came up just a little bit short, to say the least. UFC 244, the main event, Nate Diaz, Jorge Masvidal. And it's all a welterweight contest. And Diaz, despite all the kind of things he's been dealing with, he was able to get this match underway. And it's all for a belt that will never be defended It'll just be on the line for one match only, and it's a for the BMF, the baddest motor scooter in all of UFC. And, of course, it's not motor scooter. It's something else. I cannot say it on the air because I wind up losing my job. I don't like it a lot, but it's the BMF belt. You heard me right. It's for this. It's definitely going to be a lot of fun. Is Diaz called himself that back in two, UFC 241 and issued a challenge to Masvidal, and then the booking of the fight was set up, and a and the belt cost like $500,000. You're right, like $500,000 to make when you look at the belt that, that was presented last night by Dwayne The Rock Johnson. So trust me, this definitely has all the makings of pro wrestling, but I'm going to say it right now. This is exactly what you want if you're the UFC because this will be a big marquee matchup. And I would love more of those kind of fights to determine 
Who's the baddest? I mean, even you look at the female division, the baddest fill in the blank. You can have that kind of belt belt be between, and have that contested between, let's say, you know, I, I'd have to want to just think about some of those more key fighters, but have those moments because guess what? You have those once a year for the baddest fill in the blank. That way you can tell right here, right now, this person's the baddest, the BMF or whatever you want to call it. Is of course the fact if you just keep doing it, then it loses its value. But you have different belts for different people, the most technical, uh, those kind of things. You can have this whole like story about it, as opposed to you know just throwing it out there and everybody like every year you do a BMF because no, this is only a one-time only thing. It's almost reminiscent if you remember back in the ECW days, back whenever Taz had the FTW belt, which. You can kind of fill in the blanks there as to what that meant. But it's still just really cool stuff. Then, of course, you've got on tap this weekend a lot of NFL football and a quadruple header here on 103.7 The Game. And we're talking about the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Houston Texans facing off. That's going to be a fun matchup over in foggy London town. And then another one I think is always going to be just something to look at. The Vikings-Chiefs game, which is listed definitely surprisingly, it's a pick without Pat Mahomes. On the road in Harrowhead Stadium, I'd give the significant edge to the Minnesota Vikings because I feel like the, the Chiefs have lost a little bit of that luster of the home stadium, especially without Pat Mahomes. It feels like right after he played inside a dome, now he's definitely lost a little bit of his luster. That's something to keep an eye on. But, of course, the one game I'm definitely watching and with intent, and almost ironically, the Jets and the Dolphins. Why am I watching this game? Because, well, the Bengals are off this week, and I want to see us get one step closer. Because that's all I'm wanting, is to get one step closer to having the game and the dream game. We talk about tanking. We talk about tank bowls a lot. December 22nd, mark that day on your calendar right now. Right before Christmas, a Sunday afternoon game, which should be flexed for a Sunday night football game for any other reason other than this is a tank bowl of all tank bowl. This is what you want to see. I talked about it on Jordy's show earlier this week. The tank bowl of all tank bowl needs to be intact. You need to have the entire season ride on one game and one game only, and it's this. This is the game to determine who's going to win the, the rights to Tua Tungavialoa or Joe Burrow or whoever that might be. Give me that. I would absolutely love to see what's going on. Dolphins, Bengals, both teams winless. All the pressure in the world because you can about imagine how furious people could get if that game goes to overtime, end of overtime, it's still tied. I would absolutely love it. Give me anarchy. Give me the tank bowl to end all tank bowls. Because that could wind up causing the NFL to go into a flux because they they don't want you to know about this game, but it should be known. That deserves to be a primetime game if you have both teams winless because why not have a tank Bowl edition of Sunday Night Football. Chris Collinsworth and Al Michaels basically say, you know, we're, we're not really going to care about it, but we're going to give it to you anyways. We're going to take a quick timeout. When we come back, 
we'll have our guy Brooks Cabina on the program. It's been a hot minute since we've had him on, but we'll talk to him about what's going on with LSU, the bye week, and a whole lot more. You're listening to Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7 The Game.com. Most sports radio shows go up to 10 on the amp, but Under the Dome with CD goes one higher. Why don't you just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top number and make that a little louder? These guys are laughing. Now, back to the show that brings the heat on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. And we're having the next guest on to talk a little bit about LSU on the bye week, heading into that big matchup next week in T-Town. And not only will our next guest, Brooks Cabina of The Advocate, who's on the Arco Equipment Hotline right now, will be out there. College Game Day also officially announced, pretty much, that they're going to be in T-Town this time next week for College Game Day. I know, like I said, we got Brooks competing in the Arco Equipment Hotline. Let's get to him now. Brooks, what's going on, man? Hey, Clint, man. Just uh, I'm, I'm, It's a weird Saturday. I'm trying to figure out what to do with my life. I think that's why you came on the show, first of all, Brooks. Yeah, that and uh, that and furniture shopping. You know, <laughs> I'm trying to, trying to fill up my place. Dude, it's been like three months, and like I've had no personal life. And like I come back, and I'm all right, so I got a week. I've got an empty apartment, and uh, I'm trying to figure all this out. The whole thing is, it's like if you go in and buy a couch, you don't get it for two weeks. So I'm like, I mean, if I had the foresight a couple of weeks ago to put this in, I'd, I'd have a place to watch some football. But now uh, we're on we're on a bit of an adventure today. So you caught me on an interesting time of my life. Yeah, I can I can imagine Brooks. It's definitely interesting, but it's going to be an interesting time this time next week. LSU Tigers top ranked, likely going to be top ranked when those initial college football playoff rankings come out before they take on Alabama in what feels to be the game of the century part due. But just hearing from what you've heard from Coach O during this bye week, is this team's just they're not necessarily talking about it as much. It's almost like they're they're not want to talk about it because. And then everybody's going to start getting hyped up more and more. Yeah, I, I think it's a different rhetoric than what we've heard in previous years, Clint. Uh, uh, what Ed was saying earlier this week was the opponent, the opponent. It was it was never really Alabama as much. And I feel like last year that was kind of more how they talked about the game. They knew that uh, in the SEC and as, as coaches and teams and everybody's compared to Alabama, and they admitted that, talked about it. And I think they understand now that, Everybody understands that. Everybody knows that. They don't need to say it. And they're the team that's number one. They're the ones that feel like they have the chance to win this year. And I think it's a much different uh, a deal. I wrote about this last week. It's like it's it's more of a a confidence uh, confidence in your own corrections. Like all we got to do. And, you, and I was up in Tuscaloosa earlier this week, and that's the way those players talk. Like we just need to focus on ourselves, get the job done. All that cliche talk and. Honestly, it, it, that's more just whenever you become confident in yourself. You're not worried about the other opponent. Deep down, yeah, they know Alabama's the top team. They know uh, it takes 
it's going to take beating them to get to where they want to go. And I don't think they've hidden from saying that uh, in the weeks leading up to this game. But um, uh, certainly it's a different, more confident rhetoric if you look at the way they're talking about this game for sure. Exactly. I think it's always because the fact like you just look at last week's game against Auburn. This should have been like a lot more. It felt like LSU kind of was brought down to a certain level. We saw the offense not necessarily be able to put up the 40, 50 points like Joe Burrow hyped up heading into this year, which, mind you, they've lived up to the hype, 40, 50 points a game outside of what we saw last Saturday in that it seemed like a slog of a ball game. Was that because of the fact that, as Ogeron put it, they were too amped up, or was there something more to it? No, that was a hell of an Auburn defensive front, man. Like, watching Derek Brown in, in person – like I know we've 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 talked. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about defenses, uh, 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 you know, the defenses against LSU and who can stop them. But I mean, Derek Brown, defensive tackle, he was manhandling his way into the backfield, getting sacks and tackles for loss um, in just a three-down front. Auburn's a four-two-five team, and I'm sure everybody's been belabored about the scheme that Kevin Steele rolled out. Yes, they ran the three-one-seven and three defensive linemen, one linebacker, seven defensive backs. I'm sure, that's been talked. Uh, a bunch about, but I mean, that's really what slowed this LSU team down is how good Derek Brown was at front, big cat Bryant on the edge. They were able to rely on, you know, two guys will probably first round draft picks to dominate the line of scrimmage and force LSU to change and adapt across the, across the game. I, I, I don't think it was as much as the amped up part of it. That, I think that went into the penalties and some of the mistakes at the beginning, but as far as overall scheme, Auburn's defense is probably the toughest that LSU will face in the regular season, and they were able to adjust and, and score and win, um, and that's mostly uh, out of uh, out of credit of how they adapted the game plan into the second half. And uh, I mean, it, it, that I don't I, I think that's really where it goes. And I, I I'll say this: Auburn impressed me enough uh, to the point that I think that it, they could also not potentially, uh, you know, just I don't think they'll quit the rest of the season. I think they could beat Alabama. I think Alabama's had some structure. They've got this is the this is going to be the best defense LSU's faced, and Auburn's going to give people a lot of trouble. And I'll be interested to see if uh, Tua uh, Tagovailoa is not as healthy the rest of the season. If if Auburn can knock off uh, somebody on their schedule like Alabama, that would be an interesting way to kind of look at things, Brooks. Just the future of how Alabama plays if Tua Tagovailoa is able to come back this time next week. I feel like that's the question that everybody's been asking, and I want to ask you that. What's the percent chance that we see Tua start for Alabama this time next week? I mean, I can't say 100% uh, because you know, something may happen. Maybe something tweaks. Maybe something goes out. I, I have a hard time believing that he does not start in that game um, just because of how early they got the surgery done on his high ankle sprain, how, how, uh, how early he's being said to have returned um, how important this game is to Alabama, uh, I think they'll at least give him a shot to play. And um, I, I think that's – and the fact that it's not his planting foot as a quarterback I think helps as well. Uh, it'll eliminate some of his mobility. Um, but it, it is interesting how well Mac Jones played against Arkansas, who probably is one of the worst Power 5 teams there are. Uh, but he was substantial and uh, looks like he could be a replacement. But against the top – uh, number one team like LSU, we'll see. I, I, like I said, I was in Tuscaloosa earlier this week, and I went out to go see and practice. Morning that he would go out there and practice on Wednesday, 
but he wasn't there. Uh, he, he, he practiced, took a couple of snaps, practiced against air, um, you know, behind closed doors. And, uh, you know, that's, that was, so it's a week to go and, you know, he hasn't done any team drills. So, man, that means next week will be his first time to really get back into football play. So, yeah, I, I, I don't think they're going to try and rush him out there, but I, I do have a hard time thinking that they don't give him at least a shot to play in the game and see what happens. Talk right now with Brooks Cabina of the Advocate, and of course we got to kind of talk about what's been like your overall thoughts on LSU as we near that home stretch. Obviously, after next week, no more bye weeks. You'll have Alabama, Ole Miss, Arkansas, Texas A&M. You'll kind of get ready to wrap up the tail end of the season. What's your overall thoughts on this team, and based off of what you heard, what you thought about preseason, and flipping on over, what do you think about how the Tigers have performed all year? Well, Clint, we talked about this in the preseason. That it was, I remember with Texas being on week two, that was going to be the game to decide how well LSU was going to do the rest of the year. They won that one. Um, I think whenever we were talking about the offense and whether it was going to work, whatever that, we had the conversation about Joe Burrow. We, we, had, we had talked about uh, how I had done the story early on about how, he, how embedded he was into the offense, how He'd been doing it since high school. It's what he did at Ohio State. They crafted and built the pieces around him for it to work. Um, I, I think you've seen them uh, as a team that can compete for the college football playoff, and I think that's you know for sure how everybody in the nation feels at this point, clearly being number one. Where they're at right now is an interesting situation. Uh, the, the last bit of these games, the last four here, three of them are winnable. And if they can finish 11-1, and one, and if Alabama is that loss, Alabama goes into the SEC title, LSU would, in my opinion, be the fourth team to go into the playoff. They put themselves in the position with the wins that they've gotten so far this year, how impressive they've been on offense and defense, um, and the wins that they have against Auburn, Florida, Texas, even though Texas is no longer ranked in the top 25. That was a stress game, a top 10 game in a, in a hostile environment. That's going to be one of the top resumes at the end of the year, and that's where they place themselves. And, uh, I think I think that's exactly where they are. I think they are a college football playoff team, uh, no matter how the uh, Alabama game goes. Um, and it, it'll certainly be interesting to see uh, how things line up if Penn State does run the table and go eleven and one, maybe, or uh, maybe knocks off Ohio State. And Ohio State is that one loss team. It's going to come down to that. I don't think anything other than that. Over, I think if Oregon is a one loss Pac twelve champion, I still don't think them just saying, "Oh, we lost to a tough Auburn team." Is it going to be enough uh, against, you know, a one-loss LSU or a one-loss uh, Penn State or Ohio State? So um, they've certainly put themselves in position to go, uh, go into go and chase for a title. Brooks, thanks so much for coming on, my man. I'll let you get back to that furniture shopping. Yeah, yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, <laughs> this will be interesting. All right, that was Brooks Cabina. You can follow him on Twitter at bcabina. Maybe for the latest updates on what kind of couch he's getting. We'll be back after this on Acadiana Sports Station 103.7 The Game. The famous CD is a five-tool player of sports talk. He can talk about a lot of different things, even some soccer. You're Manchester United, suppose. Sing the Manchester United song. Okay, maybe not soccer. Back to Under the Dome on 103.7 The Game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on 103.7 The Game, Acadiana's number one sports station, especially 
if you want nothing but Saints talk. And I'm absolutely just loving the fact that we got plenty to talk about when it comes to the Saints. Even if we're on a bye week and we got to talk to our guy like we do every Saturday, and that is our guy, Ross Jackson, All Saints Considered, and the Locked On Saints podcast. Ross, what's going on, brother? Oh, man, doing very well. Glad to be here. Happy uh, happy Saturday. I'm honestly happy Sunday. I'm a day ahead of myself. That's just how crazy this week is with no LSU, no Saints football. It's so lot to discuss, man. Like, I, I, my first question to you isn't about what's going on with the Saints. I mean, obviously, you know, you brought it up perfectly. No LSU, no Saints. What the hell are you doing this weekend? I, I, it's crazy. I can't even watch the Falcons lose this weekend <laughs> because they're on a bye week. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm going to do. Uh, I guess the, the one game that I really am looking forward to this weekend, I will say, is that Patriots-Ravens game. Uh, I think that's going to be a fun game to watch. So that's one that I am going to be watching. But other than that, I guess I'm going to just be watching reruns. I guess I'm going to go back to last week's game. <laughs> <laughs> or you can just watch them, uh, the Jets-Dolphins game and hope, hope upon hope that the Jets can win. That way we can continue to hope for Tank Bowl 2019 on December 22nd. That's right. <laughs> oh, man, that has been such a – just all of these these teams that are sitting at the bottom of the NFL, that has been um, must-watch TV, I'll say. I'll put it that way. <laughs> Especially if you're like me and a glutton for punishment, Ross, but we'll kind of flip it on <laughs> over to what's going on with the New Orleans Saints. Obviously, a big win, and we talked about it a little bit on Saturday right before – Conveniently, about like an hour after we got off air, we find out that Drew Brees was going to get the start against the Arizona Cardinals, and he looked like he had not missed a beat. Nothing short of impressive from from Brees. He was so he was just excellent. I mean, completing seventy nine percent of your passes on forty three attempts is just ridiculous. That's absolutely outstanding. And yeah, I was sitting there all week saying, "No, I don't think they should bring him back. I like the idea of him resting this week and through the bye week and everything." And probably about halftime, maybe a third quarter, I was like, "You idiot!" Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it's just like, of course, of course, he's going to come back and pick up right into rhythm. He looked like he's been playing for the last five weeks, and you know, just went up against a uh, a defense that was a favorable matchup and was absolutely able to take advantage of it and play his game. Uh, he was absolutely outstanding. I love that he was out there still taking risks. You know, he threw the interception on a deep pass down the sideline to Zach Line. So I like seeing that, you know, look, maybe that's not the best choice, but hey, you're, you're still taking risks and you're still trusting uh, yourself to be able to put the ball where it needs to be and go after, uh, you know, take some shots. And so, you know, the risk reward, especially in a game like that where you're so heavily outmatching the talent of the other team on both sides of the football, uh, I, I was just glad to see that actually uh, work out for Drew and, you know, glad to see him back, of course, because now we hit this uh, the second half of the season that, you know, the schedule lightens up a little bit. You see some more familiar opponents, and uh, you really start to pick up some momentum before the playoffs. Exactly. It's absolutely huge. Heading into the second half of the season, Drew Brees back and be- seemingly better than ever. But can-, can we all agree that the end around just needs to go away forever from the Saints playbook? <laughs> you didn't like the Michael Thomas end around? I did. That was like the worst <laughs> thing. That was horrible. <laughs> yeah, I think that uh, if nothing else, I mean, you run that to to, to a guy maybe like uh, Deontay Harris or uh, or maybe even so Ted Ginn Jr. But I like the jet sweep motion a little bit more. It's a little bit more instantaneous. Uh, it still has the misdirection with the uh, with the defender. I'm sorry, with the uh, running back in the backfield running up the gut and sort of that fake handoff. I- I'm a little bit more the, uh, a fan of the jet sweep option as opposed to the end around option. I just think that it's one of those things that has uh, just become it's just been a part of. It's become a part of what defenses are now ready for on every play, 
at this point. And and as much as I love Michael Thomas, and, and we know that he's on pace to break records this year, uh, he's not necessarily the guy I'm going to run an end around to uh, if I'm coach. But that might be one in my coach. <laughs> but that being said, I mean, like if you were to run the end around and, and amongst the Saints roster of wide receivers that they have, who would you want to giving the end around two to where you'd probably be able to work out work it out to more success. Yeah, I like I like doing it for a Ted Ginn Jr. because he's on the field a lot and he runs you know, he runs the number two routes and so he's not necessarily a giveaway that you're gonna do it. Another person that I would like to, that I would run it to but is kind of a little bit of a giveaway is Deontay Harris. But they've started to get him a little bit mixed in uh, with the offense a bit more, especially in the slot. He took a couple snaps from the, he took I think four snaps from the slot last week, two catches uh, while he was there. And so I, I would like running it to him, but I, I, right now I feel like he would be a little bit too much of a tell. Uh, but once he gets a little bit more involved in the offense, I think Deontay Harris is a good option on, on the end round or the Jets, either one. Talk right now with Ross Jackson, All Saints considered in the Locked On Saints podcast. And i got to kind of flip it over, just what's going on right now. Obviously, the trade deadline's come and gone. Were you surprised that they didn't make any moves there? Um, I wasn't necessarily surprised that they didn't make moves. I would have been more surprised had we not heard that they were pursuing moves. I think that would have been more of a surprise to me because they didn't not make moves for lack of trying, right? I mean, they were out there, they were trying to get, you know, trying to work something out. But you know, they've got five draft picks. They have some players that they could move. They tried to move Ken Crawley. I could have told you how that was going to end, uh, you know, a year ago. Uh, but, you know, they were unsuccessful in moving him. He ends up getting cut. Now he's over in, in Miami. But, you know, they were working on getting some moves done and, and, and trying to pursue some of those pass catches around the NFL. And they're also trying to recoup some draft picks as well. But, you know, you can only do so much. You still need the other teams to say yes. And if they're not, then that's kind of where you are. And it sounded like they were very close to getting uh, some kind of a deal done to get A.J. Green over to New Orleans. But, or they were, let me not say that they were close. Let me say that they were, they were pushing for it. And they were really trying for it. They were upping their offers, but the Bengals were just very, uh, sort of, you know, not re- they were very resolved in the idea that, you know, no, we're going to keep AJ Green here and he's going to resign and everything's going to be fine. So I hope that works out for them. Uh, but not entirely surprised. I think that with Drew Brees coming back, Alvin Kamara, Jared Cook, and Traquan Smith all coming back from injury soon as well, the Saints offense gets the boost that it needs. And, uh, especially now that Taysom Hill also returns to his utility role. We've seen him now. He's leading. He's the what second leading uh, touchdown uh, catcher on the on the Saints so far since our receiver the Saints with three. Just going to have Michael Thomas with four. So you know he's going to go back to his role. This team is getting a little bit healthier. Drew Brees is back. I think they'll still see the boost in the offense that they're looking for. I'd have to agree with you. And Taysom Hill has been looking like an absolute beast this season, especially when we saw him catch that big touchdown pass from Brees to kind of seal the deal. And I saw this pop up earlier on Twitter. I want to get your thoughts on this because I think as a proud fantasy player, I would not mind having it shift and change the rules to where Taysom Hill could be like a Swiss Army knife and basically like he truly is and make him like a flex spot because I feel like that's the way things need to be. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think he should be that player. I mean, look, if he plays all the positions, he should be allowed to capitalize on that. Right now you have to play him as a quarterback. And nobody's going to do that. I'm lucky enough to have to be in one league, one of my six fantasy leagues right now, that has a uh, superflex. And yes. he's my superflex. That was an easy choice. And he's been my superflex these last couple of weeks, and he's been great. Uh, but I- I'm so glad to have that. But I would love to see something for him as a, sort of a, a position designation that allows him to get moved around, even if it's just tight end. Even if it's just, you know, just quarterback tight end. Uh, I-, I would love to be able to play him more than just in that quarterback position. You're, just, you're not going to start him there. 
Exactly, and it's, it's it's crazy just to see what's been going on with the way fantasy is. You should be able to have like one guy that you can pretty much. And I agree with you. Superflex, I think, is the way to go in that aspect. I think every league should have a superflex now with a guy like Taysom Hill in the league, and who knows who else is going to be that next Taysom Hill. But we're gonna right. we're gonna look a little bit ahead here, Ross, and that is to look at the Saints Falcons game this time next week. And the first question I'm going to ask is, is Dan Quinn going to get fired at the end of the year? Man, you know, it's, it's, I, I think yes. And there were a lot, there was a lot of news circulating around the idea that he was, you know, the sequels had enough that he might end up getting moved off by the middle of the season, uh, you know, this week. But looks like they've decided against that. But I do think that they move on from him for, at the end of the year. I am all for the Falcons keeping Dan Quinn. Um, I am Same a here. strong advocate for him staying in Atlanta. Uh, but yeah, I think that uh, by the end of this year, they get to a point now where they're they're going to look to blow that up. I mean, look, a big part of what is uh, a problem for Atlanta, they have the number one passing offense, they're just not scoring points, and they're near the bottom of the league and run run offense right now. So you know, they're putting up the stats, they're getting the receiving yards and the passing yards out there, but they're not putting points on the board. Their running game is so bad; they have three rushing touchdowns on the year. Latavius Murray scored three rushing touchdowns over the time that Alvin Kamara was out these last two games by himself. So they have really, really struggled in terms of being a, a, a dynamic team uh, this season, and it's why they're on a six-game skid, and I think that at this point, uh, and, and not uh, on top of that, I'll add to, Dan Quinn is you know, lauded as a defensive guy, defensive coordinator for uh, Seattle when they were very, very good back there. He was great out there, and then they bring him in, and all of a sudden he becomes the head coach of this Atlanta Falcons team, and their defense is atrocious. And I think that uh, you know his one thing, his one sort of boosts the one thing that's going in his you know his calling card isn't even going in his favor and so i think we're very close to seeing the end of game credit atlanta i'm kind of the same way ross it definitely feels like we're near the tail end of that and it just the last month for like fans of sports in general in atlanta you have the braves do brave things in the postseason you have the atlanta falcons do whatever the hell they're doing right now and then you also have the Atlanta United, the, the biggest thing in Atlanta, which, by the way, is a soccer town now. Let's not forget that. They lose <laughs> in the semifinals. And then the NFL rankings come out, which is possibly the greatest part of it all, Ross. The Falcons rank 28th in the NFL, according to these power rankings that come out. And conveniently, the Saints are third. Wow. wow. The, the, NFL, the NFL knows how to troll. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's that is that is uh, I'll, I'll give that one a chef's kiss. You know, a delicious tight yes. chef's kiss because that that's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, man, it's definitely going to be fun this week to have a week off and kind of watch everybody else in the league. And you brought up perfectly that Patriots Ravens game is going to have a lot of intrigue. I think the Vikings Chiefs game is going to have some something to look at too. I mean, with yes, the the Chiefs are without, without Pat Mahomes right now, they're currently favored, which is a big surprise. Yeah, absolutely. I, I wonder how much of that has to do with, uh, you know, just Vegas not buying into what we've seen from the Vikings over these last couple of games, these last few games, I'll say, actually. Um, you know, that team's really gotten rolling. They found a groove uh, here recently, but I wonder how much of it is, uh, you know, and especially, uh, I'll say, too, they've gotten into a groove on the offensive side of the ball, in particular, Stephon Diggs getting more involved. Dalvin Cook is playing really well. Even Kirk Cousins is making good choices. And so when you look at what the offense is doing and you match it up against the Chiefs defense, which is still kind of subpar, 
uh, you know, from a from an eye test standpoint, it actually looks like a pretty good matchup for Minnesota, especially considering no Pat Mahomes for the Chiefs. But I think that you know, for the Vegas odds makers, it just comes down to which team can execute, and I think that they don't yet believe in what the Vikings are doing. Ross, thanks so much for coming on, my man. We'll talk to you next week. As always, brother. Looking forward to it. Have a good one. All right, Ross, have a good one, my man. We'll talk to you next week. You can follow him on Twitter at Ross Jackson ASC. Just looking forward to this weekend because, for once, we don't have to necessarily stress out quite as much about what's going on with LSU, what's going on with the Saints, and what's going on with the Cajuns. We can just focus primarily on the Cajuns, and there's a lot of great things going on with that program. In fact, before we take the, this quick commercial break, there's some cool stuff going on tomorrow afternoon at 1 o'clock. His Cajuns are going to have a fall scrimmage, their final fall scrimmage of, obviously, the fall. When they take on Tulane tomorrow, 1 o'clock is when everything gets started. It'll be a regular 9-inning game followed by three three-inning contests. Basically, will start in the seventh inning. And the first of those three three-inning games will start with score 0-0, one nothing in favor of Tulane in the, in, the, in the second one, and the third one will be one nothing in favor of Louisiana. So it'll be fun to see what happens tomorrow Get a chance to see Matt Deggs and crew and see what they can wind up doing up against a program that's always been pretty darn good when it comes to Cajuns baseball. And I'm just looking forward to actually seeing them out there because I've been wanting to check them out, not necessarily able to have time to go to practices. You know, I'm all over the place, but I'm looking forward. I'm going to probably check that out tomorrow, and hopefully you do as well. We'll go ahead and take one more timeout. Before we wrap up, a fantastic edition of Under the Dome with CD. I've absolutely loved this show. Hopefully you did as well. We'll be back with more after this right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Under the Dome with CD is a show for all the degenerates out there. You make your rules and we will break them. Let's get back to the famous CD who will break it all down for us. Yeah! On 1037 The Game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. And we go have a good day because, hey, guess what? It's a Saturday. We got the Cajuns going on in just a little bit. Like I said, just looking forward to everything going on right now involving Acadian area programs and all the teams that we follow here. Of course, we got the Saints and the LSU Tigers on a bye. The Astros are done for the year. Baseball's done for the year. So, not quite as much to really dive into. Obviously, I don't want to get too much into the feels about the Pelicans. It's still early on in the year. They've got one win. They're going for two tonight against the Thunder without Steven Adams, possibly. Those are just questionable. And we'll dive into that a whole lot more a little bit like, in the not-too-distant future. I feel like once we get closer to the college football playoff and we get college basketball back in our lives, I'm just I'm all the way jazzed up because we're starting to get into what the business calls crossover season. We're already getting the Pelicans getting started. I really want to kind of get a time to actually watch them and observe what they're doing before I can actually make a true judgment. I want to be the guy that gives you a valid take about the team because I haven't seen much of them, haven't been able to watch much of them, but I'm looking forward to it. And I'm also just looking forward to the fact that the Popeye's chicken sandwich is coming back, I believe, tomorrow officially. I think I've heard some people have it already, but you know what? I'm just looking forward to the fact that we have the Popeye's chicken sandwich coming back to begin with. But we like to do something every single show to wrap things up, and that is to give one more take about... Just whatever 
comes to mind. And this week, I think everybody can understand where I'm coming from. Just before we close up shop here on 1037 The Game, the famous CD is looking to fire off one more take before dropping the mic. Is it going to be a hot one? Or is it going to be the one that he'd like to take back six months down the road? Let's listen in and find out. I think without a doubt, one of the biggest things that people just have a hard time doing is waiting. And I can understand where a lot of people would say that. Why am I talking about waiting? Because we're having to wait for LSU Alabama. We're having to wait for the Cajuns to be back in action. 16 days they've been away from the field. We're having to wait for the Saints to be back in action. And, you know, Tom Petty said sometimes waiting is the hardest part, but sometimes waiting is just the way things need to be. you got to wait for the great moments in life. I feel like, what's seven more days between LSU Alabama? Everybody talks about it pretty much every year. Why don't why why do we continue to have that bye week? I love the buildup. I love to be hyped up for a week, a, an extra week. Because if you had it like right after that Auburn game last week, I think the fans wouldn't. They'd be still ravenous because you'd be the top ranked team. But I think there wouldn't be quite as much like juice to it. Give me the moment of you waiting for that big game to finally happen. Give me the waiting. Tom Petty says it's the hardest part, but I say waiting. It's the best part of life because sometimes you've just got to be patient for a few days. And then finally, you get to see what you wanted to see. You get to see the LSU Tigers in Alabama. And maybe, just maybe, LSU finally dethrones the big dog of college football. If that happens, I'm just saying I will be over the moon excited they wind up undefeated they'll make the college football playoff and i think everybody else in the acadian area is going to be over the moon and on monday we don't have to sit here and cry and complain like we have had at least from my perspective for the last five years and of course probably for, for longer than that obviously but for the last five years since i've been here that's all i've heard is complaints 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 next week we get that LSU Bama game, and I feel very, very positive. You know, don't pump sunshine and rainbows. I try to keep it fair and balanced, but the the LSU side of me says this is going to be a good weekend this time next Saturday, whenever LSU and the Tide kick it off. And you now, like Otis Redding, we're just sitting on the dock of the bay, watching the Tide roll in, and we're going to roll it on back out, and we're not going to be wasting any time. How you like me right now? Hopefully, you're looking forward to it as well. And again, I don't mind waiting just another week every year for this one because it's always, like the SEC says, it just means more. That's about all the time we got for this show. I'm looking forward to talking to you next week on another supersized edition of Under the Dome. 12.30 pregame for LSU means we go till 12.30 here on 103.7 The Game. We're bringing you the noise. We're bringing you all that smoke and a whole lot more. Listen in next week. Heck, listen in every Saturday morning, 10 a.m. to noon, unless we get bumped for whatever reason. But listen in anyways. Have a great night, everybody.
Wake up. The show's over. Oh, yeah. Kick it.